is Mark Davey, and me and the team are going to talk a deep dive on digital asset management, specifically around governance. Now, there are different types of governance. When you go for a dive, you need your buddy partner, you need to have your oxygen, you need to make sure that the you're protected from sharks and fiery coral that rips your back. Or you look at it as if you're playing with the ducks in the bath. And sadly, we see too many ducks and not enough deep dives into the deep dark sea. So today we're gonna to walk through and hopefully convince you all that governance is not a dirty word and that indeed it is a primary primary fascia for getting digital asset management right. So my name is Mark Davey. I am the founder of IQ Equity and the Codify Consultant. And I'd like to introduce my team member, uh, James, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming. My name's James. I'm a data scientist and I've been working in DAM for seven years. And uh, I'll pass over to Sean. Who's on mute? Who's on mute? <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, my name's Sean Proctor. I'm involved with DAM strategy and implementation and the back end development with sandbox builds and proof of concepts. And I'd like to introduce my colleague, Fred. Fred, would you yeah. like to say hello? Sure. Sorry for the delay. So thank you. So my name is Fred. So I'm CEO of Activo Consulting. And uh, I'm working also with customers for helping them to make the right selections. And so I'd be very delighted to share best practices alongside this webinar series. I was going to put on a French accent, Fred. So thank you for joining us today. <laughs> so... Uh, Many of you who've stuck with us over the first four six steps to dance success, gasp analysis, resource audit, uh, requirements gathering. Today is governance, and governance is the glue that sticks the whole six steps together. And I can't emphasize enough, I think you've heard me say before that you know people buy a big shiny tool that's may or may not be fit for purpose and Sometimes it just sits as a dumb repository for assets or for content, not even assets, mainly because the governance isn't done correctly and governance is hard. And I'm gonna express with my colleagues today why that effort needs to go in because without the right data models and without the right guidance, most damn strategies will fail. So, whoop. We've got gremlins today. Here we go, that's better. Governance is the guidebook for your dam system. It outlines administration, maintenance, and support of the dam, as well as defining who is responsible for which areas of the system and establishes rules for proper usage. It's important to have that so that administrators all handle items in the same way. And as we go on the longer journey from taxonic data models that talk to ontologies and help us visualize masses of data within knowledge graphs, we need to fully appreciate the who, what, why, how of governance. 
So, James, I'd like to hand over to you. Thanks, Mark. So, as before, uh, you have to start governance with people. And uh, we've, we broadly grouped users into the way that they use content. Um, and you'll, you'll likely have found, if by this point you've done your resource audit, that your business units are diverse. There'll be multiple important and unique roles. And you shouldn't assume you know what somebody does without having a conversation with them. So ideators capture the expression of an idea. Creators take the idea and turn it into a tangible asset. Curators share that tangible asset with a wider audience. So curation can be as simple as sharing an asset with your colleague or as complicated as a full-blown marketing campaign going out to millions of people. Um, anal analyzers um, gain insights from the audience on how well your asset has, um, has been received. And then you also need to think about archiving. So what happens to your asset uh, in perpetuity? We tend to find that the focus is mainly on creation and curation, but we recommend that you consider the whole asset life cycle. An asset doesn't just pop into existence as a finished piece. There's ideation, discussion, and meaning behind its production. Um, and similarly, it doesn't end once you've shared an asset. You need to think about how you can build on a, a successful campaign, um, how you can archive and protect assets for 10, 20 years, how you can dispose of things properly, how you can ensure that you, um, that you don't come into any rights management issues in the future. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, no problem. So just to encapsulate, this is our audience. The ideators, the creators, the curators, the archive and the analysis that's around this. And have them in mind whenever you are looking at the problems behind the firewall. Usually people have forgotten. Uh, technology purchases really go as deep as they should on the people level, as I've mentioned before, certainly on the workflows, the systems and the processes. And in that mix, a lot of very useful data is missed. So going back to the gap analysis, the resource audit and the requirements, you're gathering data at the same time that you're building out a governance document, for want of a better word. And then that document, as much as possible, should be translated into the technology purchase. What can be automated? What makes it easier for people to understand, I have the correct rights, I have the correct formats, I can transcode to this, to that platform, I can integrate with the systems I want to do. And again, this is part of looking at the bigger picture of governance. Obviously, we see data, data model mismatch and when people are forgotten, the data models are not as effective as they could be, which causes a lot of confusion, more importantly, a negative user experience. And if too many people have a negative user experience, the system doesn't get used. They use other systems or they find a way to circumvent all the hard work that you're doing at the governance level. Governance steering committee is critical. As you go through the process of looking at the gaps and the resources, you start to see the necessity sometimes for change management. 
and something like that needs to be mandated and mandates can take time but if you gather the data and you have the serious questions with the steering committee and the input from the subject matter experts you get a better approach to the whole strategy so although it's the fourth step in our process it's actually runs concurrently with every other bit of analysis that you're doing and also you break down the silos by involving the government steering committee and uh, your stakeholder group so fred yeah content yeah for sure and i think uh, if you are following us in the beginning maybe remember this slide uh which is um, certainly one of my best because it just um, uh, means much more than anything else regarding customers' uh, requirements. Uh, especially when we are thinking about a dam system, one of the things we great in turn is to uh, protect the content uh, based on uh, permissions, and which looks like something easy to do, but it's not so as it is, and especially regarding some new dam. Uh, systems so really uh, uh, take the time to to check that such instruments and such feature uh, the next one is of course the file type and we knew that uh, today uh, the media is uh, super rich so it's not only some small jpegs you have some very complex video files uh, just yesterday just a new format for the htour 66 as for example um, or very high resolution, especially if you are working for uh, fashion or luxury. Uh, one of my customers is uh, producing 30,000 raw files in a day. Can we manage that with a dam system? And the next topic, uh, which is really at the top uh, of the ranking is uh, the workflow, because uh, as, we, as we are seeing since the beginning, uh, DAM, of course, is this repository of truth of the organization. But at one time in 2020, you need to or, uh, to to go one one step further, and especially using this content uh, through marketing campaigns and to get approval of the assets in the world organization. So um, that that's a the, these three three four top challenges are definitely uh, really at the heart of the most of customers today. Thank you, Fred. So to emphasize, you're gathering data, you're looking at the problems, the issues, the pain points, you're trying to put a governance process in place that's going to help the users. So in terms of a steerco, you definitely want people that interact with content. You want the business managers, you want people to understand at the data level what's going on so they can make the informed decisions. And at the start of this process, you really want to identify things that need to change in any mandates. And certainly with the stakeholders and the steerco, you want to make sure that the people that are sitting around the table with you discussing these issues for everybody at the enterprise level have as much chops in the game as possible. Now, we do see a lot of people sitting around the table who don't necessarily have the technical expertise. They, they have business expertise, but may not understand, you know, the significance and the amount of data that can be harnessed all the way down the life cycle, the content life cycle, you know, from an end to end process. This is the job of the steer co. 
this is where you want them to really understand the, the power of metadata and what metadata can do. So we use self-assessment with the stakeholders and with the STEERCO, and we aggregate information to try and get the best around the table or indeed educate them about what the processes are and what they need to understand in order to help everybody with this. Sure. Okay, uh, just a quick overview before we dig a bit deeper. Um, governance is, and it's an enterprise-wide infrastructure made up of policies, standard operating procedures and practices, which are all used to ensure an organisation's immediate and future regulatory, legal, risk, environmental and operational requirements. Governance controls everything around a successful dam operation. For example, who does the dam serve and what is its purpose? Policies around data ethics, rights, roles and permissions, file naming conventions, which are very often underestimated. Metadata standards control vocabularies and taxonomies all the way through to archiving and disaster recovery. Maintaining and adhering to a governance programme should be ongoing and a fundamental business activity. It's a structure you design and implement for your dam solution. It encompasses your policy development, taxonomy, which is a classification of assets, and metadata, which is information about a particular asset. And it's the plan you put in place regarding the creation, use, and distribution of that information. So uh, let's dig a bit deeper into the many areas of governance. Mark? So, the what, the how, the who, the why. The purpose statement should address the following. What is the core focus of the dam? Who does the dam serve? What is and what's not important to house in the dam itself? What are you hoping to achieve? How will it benefit your organization? Who are the mean people that need to be involved? Why are you doing it now? How will this ensure your approach to dam is viable, not just in the mean term, but the long term? So you're looking at how to handle users. You might be asking questions about file naming conventions, whether something's in-house or whether it can be used for the auto population of metadata, for instance. The rules for creation of collections and categories and endpoints and defining your exploration and archiving policy all falls within the purpose statement signed off by the Steerco. Well, I'm going to have a little rant here. I've been collecting librarians for many, many years, and my analysis shows that 99% of all librarians want to share knowledge. I did make that up, but what I know for a fact is 1% actually get the opportunity to do it effectively. And I think we can all agree that knowledge, curated by knowledge, is by far the easiest route to take on the difficult questions. I'm sick and tired of just seeing librarians as taggers, keywords, not really curating the experiences. And that's what they're really good at. They're fabulous at recognizing 
the need, not just for content, not just for metadata, but the knowledge transfer that takes place in that, the relationships that happen at the asset level, because we're using metadata. And the next frontier of the web is metacognition. It will be the beating heart of the semantic web when metadata becomes parametadata and we go on these long journeys all the way up to knowledge graphs and master data management. Fred, you had something to say there, I believe. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point. Um, in every damn project uh, I'm used to, or, uh, to, to, to play during the last years, it's all about the librarians and the dam manager. And it's very important for uh, the CN Core and all the organization to understand that they have the history of a company at one time. And at the end of the day, something we see later on, whatever the technology you have behind, uh, they have really adhered to, to curate all these uh, informations. Uh, so really like your picture. This is exactly the place some of them are working in. And so, yeah, it's definitely very important, uh, just as a manager. And maybe something I can add also is, uh, I will say that in the US, in the UK, it's, it's just like as a tradition. Uh, it's something I'm also offering on my side, especially in France, as for example, because people are not so used to, or to get such people asking why I have to pay them. Why? Because you just want to, your dad needs to work. So it's, uh, but definitely a good point. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, rage against the machine that says the machines are coming and they're going to uh, make the librarians unemployed with artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's meta crap in and meta crap out. So really, you know, without the librarians looking at the data models, fine tuning the knowledge, then the AI can come in and it can really help speed up the process identify unique points that maybe weren't identified before so praise to the librarians so i'd just like to quote dr tedros adenom uh, director general of the world health organization and he says we're not just fighting an epidemic we are fighting an infodemic fake news spreads faster and more easily than a virus and is just as dangerous it's why the who is working with big search and media companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. James, I believe you've got something to say about this. Thanks, Mark. So we've spoken about a, a metaphor, data is the new oil before. It's attributed to a guy called Clive Humby who was basically talking about the value of data um, in 2006 and that it was a commodity that can be bought and sold and, and how it would become as important as oil to us. Um, in a TED talk in 2010, David McCandless um, added to this metaphor and talked about data as soil as it being a fertile medium that we can harvest, foster, grow. And he also raised the issue of snake oil. So in the absence of trusted information, you uh, leave a space for the snake oil salesman to step in. And what's been happening in the world at the moment, I'm sure as everyone's aware, is that we've seen the consequences of when 
poor data management, poor governance can go wrong. And when, when there isn't a trusted source of information, people can spread misinformation and that can have dire consequences at the highest level. We're moving um, on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Say again, sorry, Mark. Have you done? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, good point. Oil link data, you know, this is the corporate, this is where the money is. Soil, where you share with the wider community, and we're all fighting snake oil and fake news, to James's point. Which leads us nicely on to data ethics. Data ethics is concerned with data protection compliance, complying with legal obligations under the EU GDPR rules, for example, is just one part of treating data ethically. And I'd like to flag up the brilliant work that's done by the Open Data Institute. There's a link there and uh, they uh, regularly update a data ethics canvas where they're looking at eternal data ethics, artificial intelligence, machine learning data ethics, distribution and model releases and HIPAA forms, censorship and represent or misrepresentation, the digitization of representation of digital material, for instance, uh, ethics around defamatory, offensive and obscene materials. This is where the, the hive mind of the steering group and the stakeholders can really look at the experience and protect the workforce and protect their assets. So uh, yeah, the ODI.org, highly recommend it. So the implementation of DAM at a policy level involves two overlapping sets of activities. Where possible, the preference should be to embed digital asset management into existing policies and therefore practice of your organization. This will help reduce resistance to adopting digital asset management as a core and integrated function of your work. Having addressed the integration of digital asset management into your organization at a strategic and procedural level, it's important to provide policy frameworks that ensure the stakeholders in the organization understand how it will impact all of our work. So, rights management, over to you, James. It was user profile, in fact. Oh, have I skipped one? I think so, just mm. before. Okay, so part of the ethics and part of the user profiles and user access management is to promote information security, limit third party access by a, a notifications and expiries, uh, you know, keep it fresh. Don't put information in there that you lose control on. And the provision of the policies that are unique specifically to DAM should be embedded ideally on the fly within the DAM system and, and codified that way. There you go, James. Um, I was going to speak about the rights, roles, and permissions. I think actually, Mark. Sorry, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, what are the things you need to look at in rights management? There are two levels of rights management uh, within DAM. There's the ability to embed certain rights management as metadata fields and 
metadata standards, looking at license expiry and distribution rights and maybe some IP and copyright or copyleft, looking at the types of destinations and device rights fall into this and maybe some agency relationship. However, and this is what we find that's usually not out of the box is digital rights management where they really looking not just a model release for photography but what's in the photography do you know does if there's a picture of a, a supermodel sitting on the couch do you have the rights to uh, expressly distribute that into different countries onto different devices onto billboards onto tv this is where you need a, a higher level of rights management that's not usually out of the box for a dam system Fred, did you have a comment on that? Yeah, for sure. And, um, and especially uh, maybe for, for the user profile, it's also very important because uh, one thing I can tell you is today when you have to map uh, your user with the uh, Active Directory of a company, uh, it can be a challenge, uh, definitely. And all damn systems are not really equal at that stage. Regarding the user rights, it's true that today, I will say it's a little bit weak, uh, in fact. Uh, okay, you have some uh, good integration, just like uh, Fadel, Imatag, uh, some technology like this. But out of this in type of integration, I will say that most of the time, and um, also I'm a photographer, and every time uh, the advice I can I can uh, share with uh, the customers is just uh, you have some IPTC things you can manage copyrights. Maybe this is the first step, but alongside the dam system after. It's a little bit of a challenge because I see more and more so people downloading the files outside of the dam. And if you're just trying to follow the life cycle of the assets, you can find a picture outside of the dam. So how you can control that? It's a, it's a real challenge today. And especially for the brown consistency of the customers, uh, it's, it's, I would say all, not all dam systems are, are, have got, got a good answer for, for such a feature. Yeah, I agree. Ah, another one of your expertise, Fred. Yeah, this one is. Uh, yeah, this one is definitely maybe one of the most important when you're starting your dam project. Uh, of course, you can you can really start from far away and say, okay, I've got my images, uploading everything I will see later on, and maybe I can trust the AI, and at, at the end it will be a disaster. Uh, the naming convention is really at the end for of your uh, workflow, uh, and. I can give you a couple of use cases, uh, just like as, for example, for e-retailers I'm working with uh, since a couple of time now. Um, I have to manage products, okay, because uh, to, um, more and more now, DAM projects are also PIM projects. And with a PIM project, you have a data analysis with hundreds and hundreds of fees. And uh, in a PIM, a product is, uh, is a picture, asset links, and descriptions. And, uh, and of course, the name uh, of the product is very important. You have different uh, parts of the name, which, are, which is description, the EN code, the uh, dimension of, a, of your product, etc. And it's very important to be able to manage them inside the dam. So you have to think, because you are starting from dam, so you have to think about something. And also, I discovered today that in some dam system, you, can, you are not allowed to get more than 100 characters so how how you can do it and say and people says vendor says ah but why because customers need to get 
a naming convention for the PIM system. So that's typically this type of use case is very important today. And whatever you are doing, you have to start. And maybe the one thing I can add is you, based on the naming convention, you can also drive automation. So you can use the naming convention to drive starting projects, etc. And you can also drive it to auto-populate metadata if done correctly. Yeah. And the use of acronyms is kind of codified to your your data models. Um, yeah. This is a, a we're starting to see more growth of this in the dam industry actually, and uh, vendors should do more along those lines because it really does. As companies become more data centric, then the power of metadata and capturing that metadata in vocabularies, et cetera, is, is critical. So, the goal of taxonomy governance is to create a repeatable, accountable, visible, and predictable process for managing taxonomy changes. Sure. Okay, um, so you've got your taxonomy and stru structure in place, but it doesn't stop there. It's important to have an ongoing maintenance and development plan, uh, and this is always best achieved using a, a formal team with well-defined and clearly documented roles, uh, responsibilities and processes. And it should include high-level sponsors, decision-makers, as well as skilled taxonomists and technical support personnel. However, top-down decisions made around taxonomy, and indeed dam operations in general, can, or maybe always, have a negative impact on user buy-in, simply because they don't consider the end-user perspective. So, end users of the taxonomy should, or I'd say must, also be represented in the, um, let's call it, taxonomy management team. And subsequently, this team would be responsible for areas such as uh, strategic direction and routine administration of taxonomy operations, data modeling, terminology, and organizational structure, history, and goals of your taxonomy model. Thanks, Mark. Yes, my favorite subject, creating metadata. Creating and controlling the quality of metadata can be labor intensive. It takes place throughout the life cycle of a digital asset from creation to management, reuse, and preservation. An effective dam strategy must be supported by a long-term culture of metadata creation and quality control across the whole organization. A much better job for librarians than tagging. <clears throat> you need skilled and empowered people to create and curate metadata for your organization. Whatever approach you choose to structure your metadata, you will need to put long-term policies and procedures in place for creating it and associating it with your digital assets. Fred, did you have something to say along this? Yeah, two things maybe, because uh, uh, sometimes I'm a little bit frustrated when I see some new dam system, uh, not telling people, customers, to manage their own metadata. So I think it's very important before starting, uh, if you want to avoid some hidden costs, things like that, uh, really check that you can add your own feeds, you can create your own metadata sets, 
with all the options, uh, Boolean, checklist, enumeration, things like that. The second point is about the embedded metadata. So you have some mechanism where you can use workflows to uh, embed this information inside your files. And why I'm saying that, just because I see also too often some customers, because at one time we have to change their damn system and they are just struggling to get uh, everything back. And this is your content. And a vendor, uh, a professional vendor, has to give back the content files and metadata and not sometimes as i can see uh files more or less with a crazy structure of folders uh exports bad export csv things so uh one thing you can do to uh to get the solution is you can also embed your information inside your file based on the ipdc standard things like that where you can do some custom layouts inside your files but protect your content and your data. Thank you, Fred. So there are many control vocabularies and term lists available for your organization to use, uh, some of which would form part of commonly acceptable international standards, for instance, and some of which have been developed in specific contexts. So content and data is context. By using control vocabularies, you know, the products, the endpoints, distribution channels, they can all be codified into directly all the aspects that we're talking about for metadata itself. Where it's necessary to develop and adopt controlled vocabularies that are specific to the nature of digital assets, such as, for example, as file formats, is advisable that you make use of existing vocabulary items where you can, document clearly the schemas that are being used and why, and provide process for managing proposed changes and amendments to the schema. So governance is the guidebook for your dam system. It outlines administration, maintenance, support of the dam, as well as defining who's responsible for which areas of the system. By doing it correctly, and I hope we've shown that it's hard, but the effort is worth the long run, it improves user experience. There is less training and less change management by getting this right, focusing on it regularly as many times as you can, and then communicating that back to your user group. So governance focuses on the role base, temporary read only, whether organizations need SSO in authentication obviously behind the firewall they do but can you offer that externally these are parts of the types of questions that are asked and then codified into the, the documentation and hopefully the actual system itself involving stakeholders and IT sometimes human resources especially as we see more of the uh, metadata profiling happening and on the board your stakeholders and your steer code should be regulatory compliance and legal. This is you, James. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mark. Yeah, um, following in, in from what Mark said, I think that when, when you say governance to a lot of people with DAM in mind, um, they kind of get to rights, roles and permissions and then stop and uh, I hope that 
what we've done today has shown you that there's a lot more to governance than just rights, roles and permissions, as important as they are. We, we're going to detail in the next webinar how you should define your user roles um, prior to looking for a DAM system. But, and from that solid starting point, other governance issues follow more easily, um, such as asset level security. So basically, who gets to see what? What we're uh, seeing increasingly is, is a lack of sort of seeing the bigger picture, a lack of cross-platform permissions. So rather than create a few roles um, on the dam and have done with it, think about how you manage things externally, um, permissions, rights, digital rights, as Mark detailed, how you utilize things like SSO in the transfer of data between platforms. Um, so I'm an agency creative. Can I sign onto the dam? Can I also get onto the PIM? Can I see everything that I need to see? The key is that rights, roles and permissions um, should be an extension of your of the governance policies your company already have. The two should should be conducive to each other and should grow as as your requirements change. Thanks, Mark. Agreed, James. And obviously, what are you trying to achieve with your taxonomy and your control vocabularies? You want advanced search and filters and facets. You want text indexing. You want the librarians to curate the experience and the knowledge through their knowledge and their experience. And then maybe then artificial intelligence will come into its own. Think of the stakeholders. Look at the content users as people, ideators, creators, curators, archive and analysis. Bring in the domain architects. Break the silo with master data management. And if all else fails, call procurement in. So just to reiterate. There are six steps to damn success. Governance is critical. Sorry, we've gone over time today. That's partly my fault and a late Frenchman. Uh, we would look forward to seeing you guys on the 21st of July, where we will be deep diving use case scenarios. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye.